what the? That's different. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. This is episode 26-9 and we're your hosts. My name is Rob Nichols. And I don't know what I just heard. <laughs> Every week we listen to very cool, very groovy, very romantic video game music. Very angry. <laughs> angry. Um, so we listen to music composed for video games from all consoles and all generations. We just we pick a topic, no matter how strange it is, and we pick music related to that topic, and then we talk about everything else in between. Um, that was much. that was the opening. That was the this called Q sound. It was like kind of the opening sound effect when you would turn on a, a Capcom arcade machine. Oh, okay, I got you. Yeah. I'm sitting thinking like, what the, is this the new is this the new theme or something? I mean, our show's already like pretty niche of like, oh, you like music and you like games and you like video game music, and it's like, okay, now do, do you, you like tangents? <laughs> do you like this thing? <laughs> do you remember that? That takes me back, but I worked at an arcade for years, so I know that sound pretty well. Um, I don't know anything about Q sound. Q sounds like a thing that Capcom did to help. Like they they designed. I remember the logo. Yeah, they designed a uh, some kind of filtering system in their speakers and in the output of the sound, so that they could cut through all of the noise in an arcade. That's all. That's all I know about it. Like it's like a directed like signal of sound, so that while you're playing Street Fighter, you can hear it. That's an interesting thing to learn because, like I said, I've seen the logo Q sound pop up in arcades many a time, mm-hmm. and I'm sure many other people did. And I'm also positive that no one knows what the heck I was referring to. It was just <laughs> them promoting it for some reason. Some reason. But no one knew what it was. Yeah, it's like, uh, I don't know, it's like the THX, you know, logo thing. That... Yeah, but with that, I, I always assume that that's obvious because the logo is accompanied by that sound mm-hmm. and the Shipton sound, which is almost like, oh, they're in charge of the acoustics of this theater. They're the reason why we have the sound the sound that we've got yeah. here. They, make, they take care of all it. I can tell because I'm deaf right now. <laughs> I think that was the idea with the Q-Sound logo. The Q-Sound logo would start up and it would play this music. And you're like, oh, they're doing something different. But like in a noisy arcade, it never mattered anyway. Um, I was it thinking just, about that today because someone was selling arcade machines on Facebook. No, they were selling a Parapara machine. And, oh, Kung Fu Paradise. And uh, yeah, no, Para Para Paradise. And it was right next to a, a Beat Mania machine. And, and next to that was um, a, a U Beat machine. And next to that That's was, my game. was a DDR machine. And I'm remembering, like, you go to these arcades with all of these music games, which is fun and awesome. And, and, and everyone should try it. But it's so noisy. Like, it's just everything is competing for. For space, you know, it's a struggle to hear your game. Like when I go to the arcade now and play Pump, it's great until someone plays Guitar Hero behind me. And then all oh, of a it's sudden, the it's like, Ugh. And if they play Guitar Hero and someone else plays DDR, forget it. Well, the worst. So, I know that I don't know if, unless they've changed it because I haven't been there in a year now or over a year. But like I know the Pump Machine is is facing like the speakers are, are facing the DDR machine, which is like almost like a, a perpendicular to it, right? Yep. So I know that. Because they're facing that, and they're also facing the Guitar Hero machine. So I know that if someone's playing DDR, and then if I start playing Pump, the people playing DDR are probably really upset because all the music is getting blasted at them in their right ear. All they got to do is start playing Pump. That's on them. Yeah, that's on them. I was there first. That's all all I said. Right. I was here first. I don't care about DDR. Y'all were. I'm burning (laughs) calories, baby. (laughs) Y'all worried about timing. (laughs) That's what we're doing again. You know, I feel like as we get older, 
we're kind of revisiting the things that we've loved or just we've always done it but now we're just like oh that's right i still love doing this and i don't care pretty much which is actually here's a last segue hopefully because otherwise people are like these jerkle bags but uh i had that chat the other day regards the concept of growing up and that our parents used to i mean like think about it when we started playing video games we started playing them not because our oh our generation anyway we started playing them not because our parents bought video games for us per se Mm. from my perspective Parents were buying the video games for themselves, but they also hoped the kids would enjoy them. Like when Commodore, when Coleco's and Commodore were a thing. Yeah, the original Nintendo. They were more so buying it. Yeah, and then, yeah, Nintendo was when they started marketing to kids. That was like, Nintendo was like, we got to get this back up, market this to children. They'll love it. But the older sisters were marketed towards adults, and the adults were just kind of hoping their kids would also like it. So, you know, games were a thing that adults played with and kids played with. And then one day, Adults decided that games were for kids, and adults decided that they could only listen to music they listened to when they were kids. And adults decided that they had to be quote unquote responsible and not watch, you know, entertainment TV so much as it just watch the news and read the paper. And they just kind of accepted this concept of I'm growing up, and growing up entails these things. But our generations and then beyond. I feel like less and less people care about that anymore. Mm. The idea of growing up has changed. In some respects, people don't even talk about it as growing up. It's just a thing you do. Um, like you, People still play games. They still have fun. They just goof around. They watch the same wacky shows they watch. The most popular genre of cinema is superhero movies. Uh, it's The whole idea of growing up, to me, is literally being an adult that pays bills <laughs> and is a contributing member of society that isn't yeah, a criminal. Yeah. Like, that's literally it. Like, beyond <laughs> that, you do what you want. <laughs> like, it has nothing to do with, like, reading comic books and watching superhero movies. Speaking of things from the 90s that we enjoyed and we'll probably maybe enjoy, not sure if we still would enjoy today, this topic this week has been on our list for since the 90s. No, it's been on our list <laughs> for at least a year. I know. I know that much. It's been on yep, that. It's been on it, that document. It was for a sparked long time. by something. I don't even remember what it was, but it was sparked by something that I'd seen on the internet. And I was like, you know, this would be a really cool concept. This would be ridiculous. It's perfect for our show. We should do it. We should do it. And I brainstormed, and you brainstormed, and we had stuff set, and then we just never set it down to do it. We just right, never so I always felt like it. we needed more research, and I just never put in the research. But again, this is one of those topics where it doesn't exactly mean anything unless we unless we tell it so um (laughs) we give it meaning meaning. we're not talking about fighting games of the 2000s or the best of the playstation we're talking tgif that's right the 90s classic sitcom series yeah thank goodness it's friday and funny um the friday night abc lineup from all and i picked from all different eras because this started in the late 80s and ended in the mid to late 90s i think mm-hmm. uh, actually not early 2000s actually oh okay wow okay but i stopped watching then um and uh so it's tgif versus capcom <laughs> i actually had a lot of weird fun trying to think of some decent pairings for this too this is the matchup of the century this is a millionaire fighting 2000 i i i don't know what's gonna happen Who's going to survive? The matchup of the decade. If, if, if it's even <laughs> like we're pairing them together or if they're working together. Um, I think it's going to depend on, on the on the characters that we have. I don't think we've... I doubt that we've picked the same characters at all. 
It depends, because I wouldn't be surprised if we did, honestly. Well, maybe TGIF. But that's part of the that's part of the fun. But, I mean, <laughs> so, are there any TGIF video games, like video games based on like Full House? No, but was was Home Improvement in TGIF? No, that was a, that was on Tuesdays on ABC. Okay, I don't remember that. So that so that was. That, that was, was so. That was not TGIF. But that, that was a, Tim Allen. But that had a video game. So, but we. But yes, it did. What's and that? a terrible lift. Now, dinosaurs should have had a video game, but I don't think it did. It did not. But don't quote me on that because I feel like the one that would have had a video game. But yeah, none of the ones I could think of had a video game. Family Matters is probably the closest of had having a video game, and it didn't even get one. We just got Julia White. Voicing a cartoon video game. Character. Oh right, right. I was like, how, like, how did we get close to that? I know there was a Die Hard video game, and I know that um, what's his name played the the cop in Die Hard. Oh, Reginald Bell Johnson. <laughs> yeah, Reginald Bell Johnson played the cop in Die Hard, who was the the father and cop in Family Matters. But um, we're I guess have- we should just give a general statement just for anybody who's out of the United States. Who's like, what the heck are they talking about? Like, TGIF was just a general lineup of television shows that were meant to be aired on Friday nights in prime time. Mm. All comedies. Well, and it was quotes, much ABC's comedies. Prime. <laughs> they were all comedies. There was no dramas on that on that thing. Well, they were all cheesy. Um, cheesy family comedies. Oh, they were definitely yeah. cheesy. It was for the whole family, except for the except for the last one or two episodes of Dinosaurs, which were really grim. They were educational. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it ended up being like a pretty decent staple in American television for at least 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't always have the moniker TGIF, but they had the shows running with that concept in mind. Then one day they realized we should just give it a really cool buzz. And every once in a blue moon, you'd have the characters come on. Like they'd cross over on each other's shows. When Saturday morning cartoons were premiered, they would sometimes have stars from the TGIF shows do a... Uh, Saturday morning cartoon preview special where they were all like, hey, we're home from school, let's watch these previews, Carl and Urkel or whatever. And it was just an odd concept that actually worked. Like, it was a very ingenious ideology that worked for years. I looked, I looked up online the, the crossovers, um, not not so recently, uh, but it was, uh, it was step by step and it had a crossover with Family Matters and some of the characters came over and obviously Urkel came over, did their Urkel dance. And that was—I mm-hmm. can't believe that was such a big thing that Ur- the Urkel dance was everywhere. But I also remember that Step by Step was a really—I don't think there were any characters of color or actors of color in that show. Not a one at all. <laughs> Not like, a, it was. Super white. So then, like there were a lot of shows like that yeah. actually, though. Believe it or not, like on TGIF. Mm-hmm. Not too many. Um. So I was like, wow, that's. It seems weird, like 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 the way they matched them up, and then I was like, I almost felt like concerned you know for urkel coming into that world uh just i mean he also went to full house and that show didn't have any black cast members either oh he was in full house yeah and he went and uh, keep in mind he went from chicago to san francisco so fancy them apples but (laughs) let's uh, let's get started with some music and some games and then let's talk about the matchups because we've uh we can we can do this we can just wax on uh on classic uh sitcoms all night, pretty much. But you, you. This is this is nine. This is an odd episode. So you start it. Oh mercy! Well, I guess I'll go with this one to start because this this was. I think this was probably the matchup that first got me thinking about this as a whole. So the first track is going to come from, and if this is something that we've already picked, I'll change it. But um, it's from the game Mega Man Rock and Roll, 
and it's called Stealth B, composed by Johanny Junkala. Welcome back. You are listening to Stealth B from the fan game Mega Man Rock and Roll, composed by Juhani Junkala, a game that I came across about a year or two ago, actually two years ago, 2019, and I ended up really digging it. Um, the track was chosen because this is played during a sequence of the game where both at the very beginning where Mega Man and Proto Man are captured by the enemy adversary of the game. So Roll ends up being retrofitted slightly to look more of a combat robot so she can get in and help get them out of their captivity state. Mm -hmm. So why would I pick this track? Well, because my first matchup is Danny Tanner from the series Full House versus Roll from the Mega Man franchise. (laughs) So why would they make an interesting comparison group? So Roll, in her original design, was a cleaning robot. She was made to tidy up around the lab and assist Dr. Light with his experimental work, whether it's like handing him a flask or whatever. And Danny Tanner is notorious on Full House for being a neat freak. Uh, I guess this was before people even talked about the actual concept of like what it could truly entail, but they used to give him grief about it on the show as being like OCD or like a neat freak. Yeah, of yeah, yeah, I remember that. And he, didn't he wasn't his job like reading the weather on TV or something. No, he was the he was a, uh, a host on the show Wake Up San Francisco, oh, along with his friend a, and eventual sister-in-law uh, or cousin, aunt, and whatever she was, Becky. That was a very um, aggressive title. Wake up, San Francisco! You better get the heck up, San Francisco, <laughs> <Yeah>. or else. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an interesting thing because I, I always kind of just kind of paired them together in the sense that you have a robot who was tailored with the idea of being a constant cleaner. And then you have Danny, who is a human, but when something's dirty, he lets out all sorts of energy getting that thing taken care of. Mm. So I feel like they would get along great as far as, like, friends go. Though I kind of also think that Roll would get burned out by Danny. (laughs) (laughs) Danny Danny is too much of a neat freak for her. It's too much for her, huh? Too too much for her. That's fine. they could, I can see them probably being involved in some sort of like cleaning competition in the sense of like taking taking out the trash. Uh, like, like she's cleaning the basement and he's cleaning like the second floor and like they're trying to go faster so they can so they one of them can get to like the the the, the, the bedroom first. You know, it's like exactly. Um, and then of course, if they're being judged, there's very specific key elements mm-hmm. in their cleaning path that they have to hit. They're like set up so that they're they're intentionally dirty. 
If they don't meet the standards, if they if they miss those spots, they get docked points. Mm-hmm. So it's not just getting to the one location, central location <laughs> first. It's getting there while also hitting all your cleaning contacts. So, but you're not told what those cleaning contacts are. Hence, okay. why well, you got to be on top of your game. Well, guess what? We did we did overlap quite a bit, and and that's fine. We're just gonna go with it because I also picked a uh, role for Mega Man. <laughs> Ooh. And uh, and she's going to get matched up with someone else from uh, Full House as well. Also Full House. I don't know why that worked. <laughs> in my mind, I was like, yeah, why not? I got to pick Full House in there somewhere. All right, so this is, um, I actually picked Roll's theme for Marvel versus Capcom for the arcade. So one thing to note is that Roll was a hidden character in the arcade. Um, there were four, four or five hidden characters in the game where if you actually go to the select screen, you move the joystick around in specific patterns and it would unlock characters like dark i mean they were mainly like dark chun li and, and dark um nash or whatever dark guile where the sprites were just darker and they had like more overpowered moves and they could fly in the air and stuff except for roll <laughs> roll was just roll she was just this little girl who was mega man's like little sister or whatever and she was kind of weak but she was there um all of the hidden characters had one theme except for roll they gave roll her own music and it's got lyrics. So this is Roll's theme from Marvel vs. Capcom. And we're, oh no, and we're back. Um, you were listening to Roll's theme from Marvel vs. Capcom for the arcade. This one is uh, composed and arranged by Yoshinori Ono, um, a classic Street Fighter composer for Capcom. Um, you just, we were talking earlier about, I was like, who is this Ono guy? I've heard people <laughs> reference him, and I don't know what his deal is. Um, uh, so a little trivia about this music. It was originally appeared in 19, 1997 in the game Mega Man Battle and Chase. It was like a secret karaoke song that appeared at the end of the game if you beat it with the role character without continues. So it was, it was hidden in there. Uh, the title of the music is called Kaze Yo Sutaete which translates to the wind convey it to me or the wind tell me the truth or something like that so 
Get over here, wind. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, get over here, wind. That's the American version. Wind, <laughs> get over here. Uh, but I, I like it. It's just it's so interesting to me that like it was a hidden song in this old Mega Man game, and then they brought it back as a hidden character in a hidden song in an arcade game. And it sounds really cool. It, it sounds like an anime like opening theme, or maybe even like a anime closing theme. Which is probably why it fits so well when it was eventually used in a uh, Tatsunoku versus Capcom because that whole game was anime characters yeah. and their anime themes that would play when they were brought onto the field. So when Roll comes out, she has her own anime esque theme that played for her too. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not sure if he if Ono did um, all of the music for uh, Tatsunoko versus Capcom, but I know that he did do again uh, the arrangement and he got another lyricist to do the singing. Um, for for this song, but it is the song again. I should look at that up. I, it probably sounds just as good because it's probably just as cheesy. But um, what that made me the saddest about Roll though was that when she was originally put in Marvel vs. Capcom, like you mentioned before, everything I read about her says that she was designed. Like you said, I think you mentioned it too, but she was designed to be a weak character. Yeah, which made me sad because I was really excited to unlock her. I was like, I got Mega Man, which is why I bought the game. Yeah, I was she's, like, I didn't use Roll She's the weakest too, and, and the smallest terrible. character. Um, and it's funny watching people like do like playthroughs of the game, trying to finish the game as her, because she's so small that the last um, boss at the end of the game is Onslaught, and it does like this big like screen filling like a uh, blast, like laser blast across the screen. But Roll is so small, she doesn't even have to duck; she just stands under it. <laughs> you, do, you can't even move. Hey, I'm down here. And I'm like, that's <laughs> so funny that you can beat the game as her because Onslaught the the enormous boss can't touch her because she's so small um so for this one i also went with full house and i chose the olsen twins oh both of them both of them right so (laughs) i feel like they were manufactured to be the cute character in full house and she was manufactured to be the cute character in mega man <laughs> like that's lit- an interesting pharaoh. Like literally manufactured. She was a robot built. So I'm 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 not I'm not I'm not convinced that the Olsen twins aren't robots. They could Honestly, be. They could be. Uh, no, they're they're def- they, they I couldn't believe that as a kid when they were kids, but as they got older, they're definitely not robots cuz they're <laughs> they're they're having some tough they're having some tough time. Oh, they're terrifying for real. Um so yeah, that I went with the same thing, but uh, again, this is my excuse to play some fun Capcom arcade music on the show and so would that match have been like a cute em up like who could out cute the other that's what i was thinking like like it would be like a, a cute em up um um shooting game and their uh role is flying around in the air and the olsen twin <laughs> one is flying the other <laughs> <laughs> and of course you know they have to use like the typical michelle like lines like you got it dudes whenever they get like a super power up or something oh that's hilarious <laughs> i like that idea i like that idea very much like all like the really really lo-fi sound effects of um oh what uh, how rude but <laughs> <Is> that, <her? laughs> no, that was steffy but there's no reason she couldn't borrow yeah, it she could say yeah she say everything <laughs> she's the amalgamation of the tanner children yeah cut it out she'll say cut it out Oh, Joey. Fun fact, I don't think I'm going to pick that one, but I also did have Joey Gladstone versus Dan Hibiki on my list. Oh, I, I was thinking about that, too. I almost went with that. That's so funny. I, but I, I took it off because I had a better better uh, matchup. All right, so what's your next pick? My next one's going to be a really weird one, but honestly, this goes well beyond what I'm used to even choosing for this show. But let's take a crack at it anyway. This comes from the game Saturday Night Slam Masters. Ooh, good soundtrack. And this, 
It is. This is my first time hearing it, too. Um, this plays on the Sydney stage from the arcade game, composed by Masaki Izutani and Setsuno Yamamoto. don't want to stop it it's really friggin' good <laughs> i was like i gotta do it i love this track um you're listening to sydney from the game saturday night slam masters composed by masaki izutani and setsuo yamamoto that soundtrack never ceases to amaze me there's so much going on they're like that bass is all over the place it's just crazy and then like those chords those opening chords and the drum fills there's, a, there's so much going on in just this arcade game about pro wrestling. I also just genuinely like the fact that it does the... It honestly feels like it does wrestling proud. Like, as I looked up footage of it and watched people play it, it every character has their own intro theme that plays when they're walking into the ring. Um, and then when they get out there, they have in-ring battling and out-of-ring battling. And it feels more like a fighter in some ways, like a typical fighting game, because yeah. how they interact with each other in the ring. But nonetheless, I still feel like it gives off a wrestling aura, mm-hmm. even if you are playing it heavily like a fighting game. And quite frankly, is I was appreciative of it. I love the music. I love the theming. I love that some characters even like wear garments before they get to the ring. And they throw them off. And go, okay, now I'm ready to wrestle. Just like just like WWE. Yeah, or it's WWE like, like the, the the designers like they knew they, they knew what to do, right? Like they knew what pro wrestling, what made pro wrestling pro wrestling, and so they they threw it all into the game. And they succeeded. This is one of those games I only ever saw at the beach. Like it was never like up on the like Concord or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I never saw it locally. I only ever saw it when I was on vacation. It was just one of those weird games. I was like, oh wow. There's a wrestling game like I never heard of. I was I would look be looking for Hulk Hogan or Andre the Giant, and instead there's all these other weird characters. And speaking of weird characters, <laughs> holy cow! So this matchup, I don't even know how to proclaim it properly. So I'm just going to ramble it. So the matchup here is actually a tag team battle. Oh, this is from Perfect Strangers. We have Larry <laughs> Appleton and Balky Bartakamus versus Frank West from Dead Rising. And Sheep the Royal, who is the Japanese name for Alexander the Greater in Saturday Night Slam Masters. I love that. So I reached a little deep for that one. (laughs) That's good. But 
So, and I also definitely confirmed that even though he doesn't have the name Sheep the Royal in America, he definitely has a sheep influence or ram influence costume. So that works. Now, uh, I would definitely okay. So first of all, uh, Balky Bartakamus, he he had a he had a pet sheep or like a stuffed sheep, right? He carried around with him. He had a stuffed sheep, but he also hailed from the Greek um, country known as Mepos. It was a fictional country, by the way. Greece is not fictional. But uh, <laughs> in Me- on Mepos, he was actually, his family did herd sheep. So he is a sheep herder, and he's battling against a person who is influenced primarily with the concept of rams and sheep. Because, mm. you know, a ram is just a, a male version of a sheep. Right. So it still yeah. technically works. And Larry Appleton was a photographer for the Chicago, Chicago Chronicle. Of course, originally he worked at like a, a counter, like a, a there were, camera shop, but then he yeah, became an actual yeah. photographer. And Frank West has seen a lot of wars, you know. Um, so there you go. Well, that's uh, amazing. This is this is actually pretty cool because I can imagine. I imagine because the the two characters in Perfect Strangers they were really tight. Like they would fight. Yeah, all they the time. were. Um, and and um, uh, Larry was very. Um, he was very. He was himself. apprehensive for a while. Yeah. He was full of himself, but he was also apprehensive. And Balky was the kind of easygoing, coasting guy. I was like, oh, come on, cousin. Let's just go have fun. Yes. And he's like, I don't want to have fun. We got yeah. work to do, Balky. They and then they ended up hanging out of a backs. balloon. But they always had yes, each other's backs. So them in a tag team match together is awesome. I love it. Yes. Now, keep in mind, of course, Frank West had the extraordinary circumstances of being you know, dealing with a zombie outbreak at a mall, which is what triggered his entire game franchise. Uh, so, but he was technically a normal person. He just happened to be caught up in extraordinary circumstances and able to utilize wacky costumes and healing orange juice or whatever. But I could 110% see Larry Appleton go on a similar route if faced with those circumstances. Ooh. And with Balky as a sidekick, it would be freaking hilarious because, again, they were a TGIS sitcom. And maybe Harriet Winslow would even show up a little to wish him good luck since <laughs> she was a spinoff character. Along the way. Along the way. And they would do, uh, the- they would do the Dance of Joy would be their, their super like tag team move, right? That's right. Yeah. It's to the dance of joy. And I think that would also be the thing that would help him against Sheep the Royal. Because while Sheep the Royal is actually a wrestler and quite aggressive, I kind of feel like there's like a weird synergy between Balky and Sheep the Royal. Because, you know, again, Sheep Herding versus the Ram instincts of this character. But also just the fact that Balky is so laid back and relaxed and happy-go-lucky. Mm. I think he would actually chisel through Sheep's like demeanor. And actually get him to be like, what am I even fighting this guy for? I think we'd get along great. We're just going to talk about cool, weird recipes and stupid gimmicks and weird adventures. And then who knows? Maybe we'll be like a little bit of a cross-country thing. I'll go to Sydney. You know, you know, Balky will go to Sydney. Sheep will go to Meepos. They'll exchange cuisine recipes. It'll be great. You know, they'll get along. But in the event of an actual catastrophe out in the world, I honestly have this odd feeling that Larry and Balky would actually do better and a zombie apocalypse setting in the form of Dead Rising than Frank and Sheep. I just kind of do. It's in, it's in my bones. It's in I, my bones. I, I believe that too, and that's a game I would love to play. Even if it was just a mod. A mod of... <laughs> I would, a I would play the hell out of that. It'd be co-op, yeah. One person will play Balky, one person will play Larry Appleton. Mm-hmm. That would be really good. I would really enjoy that. Alright, so um, my next track... comes from Pocket Fighter or Super Gem Fighter. This is the beach house music known as Safril. 
for the arcade. back you're listening to the music from pocket fighter or super gems fighter as it's known in the states i think it's known like that in the states. i don't know they had a lot of different names to it um but it's definitely a pocket fighter this is the beach house music known as safril composed by isao abe yuki iwai and setsuo yamamoto i don't know um which composer should be credited for this arrangement but or this uh composition but i really like it because it sounds like sitcom you know, music already. Like, it sounds like an opening theme song to something silly going on. Like, it even sounds lyrical. <laughs> like, at that one part in the middle, it sounds like, with laughter and love on the way. <laughs> oh, man, we gotta do the jingle episode. Uh, jingle, jingle episode's happening. We gotta, we just gotta, we gotta prep ahead of time for that one, but it is that you don't even know. <laughs> we might have to get some help on that one. Um, and make it like an extended episode because that, that, that I would want more podcast for. I like to keep our podcasts relatively compact, you know. We're not going to do like three, four-hour epics, but that one, that one's going to have like 30 songs. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of prep. No, no, it's not. Um, so anyway, so I picked this music for uh, for Dan Hibiki uh, because it sounds like it would be Dan's music, you know. Um, he's mm-hmm. I'm not sure if he's a character in the game, but he's definitely in the background for a lot of these stages. And um, he's hanging out with Balki Bartakamus from Perfect Strangers for now. <laughs> I mean, to see how that works with this chicken for the same awesome show. I, 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 see, I don't think you're going to. I got to feel at least one of my last two. You're not. We're not going to have the same show. There's no way. No, no, no my what last if we one. Do, I'll be shocked. Definitely not. If my last one is the same as yours, it's gonna like I don't know. There's like we haven't been in the same room in a long time, but like that's <laughs> that's still an uncanny coincidence. Kind of weird mind meld. But yeah, I always thought that like since Dan Hibiki was just really like genuine, you know, he was super confident about his abilities to to to, to do anything, even though he was kind of a goofball. And I felt mm-hmm. like Balky was the same way, you know, like he just thought that if he was just really good and believed in himself enough, he could do anything. 
And so I imagine those two working together. You know, they'd be. What, what would they be doing? They'd be. They, they, they would be perfect strangers. Like you got. Yeah, <laughs> they Dan, would be perfect strangers. Dan Hibiki from Japan, and and he he flies, and Dan Hibiki flies into Mipos, right? And he's like, "You're mm. my long lost brother." <laughs> <laughs> Balki Hibiki. <laughs> yeah. And Balki's like senpai. Yeah. Oh, mercy. <laughs> And then, and then they go on crazy espionage adventures. Yeah, espionage. What are they like? <laughs> They'd be spies. <laughs> They'd be spies. Oh, so it's like a. Oh, is, is it? Would it be? Would it still be funny though? They go on funny adventures, or would it? Oh, of course they'd be funny okay, adventures. Yeah. They're both comic comical characters. Like, like you you mentioned Dan versus Balky, and my thought for him going with Joey was a similar reason, in the sense that they're like both comic relief for their universes, but at the same time. They're reliable characters when this when it all hits the fan, um, but I could totally see like Dan and Balky being like comic relief for each other <laughs> on these random adventures that they embark on. Yeah, com- complete with canned laughter, of course. Got to have the canned. Laughter. Lots of that. There's something about that is is so necessary in some of these shows because they just weren't that funny. They weren't like punchy. People, we expect jokes that land, you know. The scary thing, though, is like, I almost wonder, I don't want to test the theory, to be perfectly honest with you, but I always wonder sometimes, like, would we not laugh at those shows without the canned laughter? Because I laughed when I thought something was funny. Was it really the canned laughter that triggered my laughter? Or was it me actually laughing, but the, the, or the writers also thought that was intended to be a funny scenario as well? So I've, there's been times where I've heard Ken laughter and didn't laugh. I'm like that's not very funny. Have you? I mean, have, on YouTube, there's a whole bunch of clips of the Big Bang Theory that I've watched. With, and without, that's not funny. That's sad. <laughs> that show's not freaking funny. Now, don't get me wrong, but the difference is I can also say I don't recall ever really laughing at Big Bang Theory. There was a few lines where I kind of chuckled just because, like, okay, I can kind of uh, see where so that can be humorous, terrible. but it's a very dry. I, hate, I know. And not we good might show. have listeners that like it. I, I'm, I do not. I do not at all. Oh, they're welcome to them. We can, we're not saying if you like Big Bang, you're lame. No, no one's saying that. Well, just I'm saying getting close we don't to like it. it. We better. Oh, don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've come no, across no, people no. who think the show is funny, but in their context, admittedly, they're also looking at it like. Those guys are nerds, and she's not. It's like, well, I guess if you're also telling a guy who collects board games that that's ridiculous, well, I guess I can see why you'd find that context to be humorous then, huh? But at the same time, their enjoyment of the show doesn't mean I'm going to enjoy it. We're coming from different walks of life coming into the show, so it's reasonable to believe that I don't come at it from the same perspective that they would. So I thought I it was it. sad. You know, they, they were making fun of Sheldon just for being different. And I thought that was just a really bad thing to do. And then I, oh, sure. So and then they gave him a show as a kid where they also uh, kind of. Do. Oh, guys, Stephen, like thinking about that makes me kind of even more sad. All right, <laughs> let's think about Ouch. happy things. Happy things, Pernell. What's your last? What's your last pick? This is your last matchup. Make it happy. Well, before the BR, which trust me, I got a good one. My favorite one is going to be there. <laughs> That's um, okay. I had a BR before the show started. Oh, you. Uh, so this track comes from the game Red Earth, and the oh. track title is called Icy Wicked Mind, composed by Takayuki Iwai.
Oh, we're wearing you down for now. We're wearing you down. <laughs> wearing you down! <laughs> Welcome back. You're listening to Icy Wicked Mine from the game Red Earth, composed by Takayuki Iwai. Now, this is a game I admittedly have never played before in my life. Never played it. In fact, hadn't even heard of the game until preparing for this episode. Yeah, I've only the reason being heard of it. I've, I've never seen this one. And the funny thing is, like, so since I'm glad to hear that you haven't heard of it either, because I feel like you would have heard of it well before I would have. Um, yeah, the, the, the reason the why I worked at got a lot of like weird imports and like like games that I've never seen anywhere else, especially like the the mid to late '90s Capcom era. But I've, this one, I've just never seen. I know I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. And the reason why I went back to this game is because the character that I had in mind, I learned of her because of SNK versus Capcom SVC Chaos. Oh. That's where I know her from. So I was like, oh, she comes from another game. What is it? I went, Dave's like, oh, Red Earth. So who is that character? Well, she goes by the name of Tessa. And I feel as though she'd make a great counterpart in combat to Sabrina the Teenage Witch because... Well, they're both witches, though one goes by the term of sorcerologists, but they're witches. Um, they both have cat companions. They both seek the pursuit of knowledge, though admittedly Sabrina is also a teenager, so she also seeks the pursuit of, you know, cool food and awesome fashion at the mall and hanging out with her friends, but she also seeks, you know, growth in her spellcraft as well. Um, it's kind of funny in the sense that it's an obviously foregone conclusion as to who would win this battle. It would be Tessa for sure, because all of her magic is primarily focused around the idea of combat. However, I do think it would be interesting to see what Sabrina would attempt to do in order to bolster her skills mm -hmm. to be able to handle a combat against Tessa. And she has some options at her disposal, too. Like she has her aunts, who are Hilda and Zelda. They're very powerful witches of their own right. Mm -hmm. Knowledgeable as well. That could provide her with levels of guidance, even somewhere beyond what she was originally expected to gain throughout the course of the series and comic books. She has her friend Salem, who is the cat. Mm -hmm. Originally was a very powerful warlock who overstepped the bounds of magic, which is why he was cursed as being a cat, becoming a cat. And, not lest we forget, there's also the entirety of the Other Realm, which is a location that the witches can go to through a portal, which is essentially... Uh, another dimension populated oh. primarily by witches. The Capcom so, dimension is where it goes. It goes to the Capcom dimension. She could go there to seek guidance from the witches council, get some training, yeah, some you know, some Chun -Li. basically some power boosting. Not we're not talking hyperbolic time chambers from Dragon Ball here or anything like that. So, but I feel like she could step up her game in anticipation of having a scuffle with Tessa. So, but Sabrina went to like a regular high school and stuff. Like, what if she grew up in a more aggressive environment? You know, like what if she had to go to Hogwarts? Do you think then she would have like, oh, she would have learned like the protection against the dark arts? Oh, whole, whole, no, no, hand hard. Oh, yeah. made up words. <laughs> <laughs> she absolutely would have yeah, done that. Totally. It's, uh, she was. She is a product of her own environment. Well, that's why I'm saying that if mm. Tessa was. But she was approached by Tessa with a sense of, we have to, you are going to have to battle this person. Mm -hmm. We don't know when, but potentially soon, prepare yourself. I think she'd step outside of her usual comfort zone and bolster up and take on some of the skill and power that she is destined to have in her adult years. She can actually push for that sooner because she'll need it now. Because Tessa don't play. <laughs> She's got four cats. Don't play, huh? <laughs> She's four got four cats. cats. So, at the end of the day, I think it'd be a pretty hilarious scenario just to watch these two go at it. 
And of course, Sabrina was a comedy, but as we also have come to learn in recent years, thanks to Netflix, it doesn't have to be a comedy. Sabrina could easily go very dark and very... Hell, she could probably summon demons to help her battle in combat, honestly. The TGI version, not so much. The general character, Sabrina, absolutely could. So, yeah, I think with the right training and guidance, she could potentially measure up to Tessa. I think Tessa could ultimately win unless Sabrina uses some interesting MacGuffins, such as, again, summoning actual bona fide demons. But... I think Tessa would take it aside from using those elements of her power. Yeah, I think it's a bad idea to put Sabrina in that situation for now. I don't, I don't think you should be doing that. I would. I should. <laughs> and look, just think of the laugh track usage, Rob. The laugh tracks. <laughs> so much chuckle. Right, so speaking of some, uh, some, some, some matchups that shouldn't happen, we're going to start with Akuma Goki. From Super Puzzle, this is the music from Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo for the arcade composed by Tatsuro Suzuki. Listening to Akuma's theme, Goki's theme, from Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo for the arcade, composed by Tatsuro Suzuki. And I have I I I play this game a lot. I know this game. I know this music really well. And I I, I was looking it up, and it's been so long since I've thought about it. But I was looking it up today and looking up information about it and listening to the music again. I was like, was there like a, a Puzzle Fighter one? Like or, or anything like that, there wasn't. Nope, <laughs> just Super Puzzle Fighter Two Turbo. They were just they were just kind of making fun of their own naming system by just starting the game off with just this long title, and that's just what they went with. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was thinking Akuma from uh, from Street Fighter. You know, like the the evil, like what happens when the evil dark power takes over your body. You know, and you've you've committed your life to a life of training yourself for combat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and an Earl from Dinosaurs. <laughs> what? A dinosaur who's committed his life to relaxation and sloth. Yes, but also he made all of the decisions that destroyed all of them in the last episode. Was it solely him? It I was, thought it was just the plant. He worked at the plant. He worked at the at the plant. I was reading through the synopsis on this. And I couldn't believe it. And that he decided to... 
I forget what it was like like to destroy the the insects or something that did this or did that and then they tried to shoot clouds and something into the atmosphere to bring back the um, the bug the plant life so the bugs could survive and in doing so they they, they hit a volcano and caused a caused a volcano to erupt and, and for all of the dinosaurs to go extinct so really, I thought that the show so, ended with them like getting like an actual like a winter. It was like they they froze to death. Yeah, they snowed. They oh yeah, like, oh, yeah. The, the, I think the volcano blocked out the sun or something. I don't know, it was so the I think that Earl deep down was just super evil, and he was being possessed by the dark Hado. <laughs> <laughs> you think that's what actually triggered him to make that bad decision? Yeah. Uh, that oh was, my this was, god! This was my like. I wasn't really sure who to put in here. <laughs> But then, of course, now the, I guess then the question becomes a matter of what. So he becomes possessed, and he ends up being flash frozen mm-hmm. in time, whereas all the other dinosaurs went extinct. But he did not. So he revives in this in the current age, and somehow because that's how Capcom fighters work, he just ends up in the tournament. Yeah, well, well, well <laughs> he just ends up in the tournament. Well, Bison is out there trying to come up with new ways to control people and to make new soldiers, and so he finds. Um, DNA in amber from a mosquito and grows a dinosaur from it. <laughs> so it, you're saying he regrows Earl? Yeah, but but this new Earl isn't all about relaxation and being lazy with his family. Earl 2.0. He trains it to fight. <laughs> <laughs> Battle Earl. Battle Earl. <laughs> um, the, di- the danger dino. So, so dinosaurs was giant animatronic Jim Henson Muppets. Uh, I think suits. it was one of the last Jim Henson product while Jim Henson himself was around. Yeah, I, I was reading about it. Apparently, like, they really fought for a long time to get that show off the ground. Um, and then it finally ended up on TGIF, and it didn't last long. It lasted like one or two years, and then it was just done. And it ended in, in the most, in the, just the grimmest, saddest way possible. But it, they dealt with a lot of weird topics and subjects. They dealt with war, drug use, sexual harassment crazy yeah they, they they got crazy yeah so, okay i may be wrong about i may be wrong about it being one of jim henson's last shows unless he was a part of constructing it but it didn't get on the air until after he passed away which i guess is possible i swear i recall hearing about him being associated with dinosaurs beyond it just being the jim henson company but he was dead before dinosaurs hit the air it just seemed like a like like the right idea right like they, they make these big elaborate expressive dinosaurs that look like that move around and wear clothes like people, but then put them into like a lame kind of family sitcom situation to have them do goofy stuff. Um, and that's like, you know, that, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> it there been. it is. He died the year before dinosaurs started. Oh, is that what happened? So I wasn't wrong. He was a, he was heavily involved with trying to get it off the ground. It just he died before it premiered. Oh. Well, he didn't have to see that. <laughs> Hey, well, I'm actually, I'm just glad to know it. Like, I wasn't, yeah. I know I wasn't crazy, which is that Jim Henson did come up with the show, and he did fight to get it broadcast. Mm. He just died before they could get it on TV. Mm. See, I'm not crazy. Yeah. I just have a really fried brain. <laughs> well, let's fry that brain even more, Purnell. That's my segue, because we are <laughs> turning all of this music down and preparing ourselves and our quarters and 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 our Pete late night Friday night pizzas for the bonus round. Going to have some fun. Show you how it's done with the bonus round. 
<laughs> did you did you come up with that just now, or did you, were you thinking about that? I just came up with. It. I don't believe it. I don't. Well, believe it was it. actually it was it was a, it was a reference to the jingle for TGIF. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, I should put that in there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll see if I can match that up. Uh, hopefully, that works out. You'll, you'll, your voice will get slowed down and sped up. And it was going to have some fun. <laughs> 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 well, the bonus round is where we play covers and remixes and arrangements on our theme. And Pernell, what you got for us? Well, I'm just going to name the track because then we're because I probably have a lot to say about the matchup in general. Okay. But um, the track title is is called the Skull Fortress. It is a um a remix of Flash in the Dark from the game Mega Man Nine, composed by Juan Medrano. <laughs>
Well, hopefully that was enjoyed by all who heard it, being the Skull Fortress, composed by Juan Medrano, a remix of Flash in the Dark from their game Mega Man 9. It was the first Wily stage in the game. Hmm. Um, also, one of my favorite Wily stages in the series, hands down, as far as music, and actually you probably play also. But, yeah, I love this track. It was a melter. And a very fitting track for probably one of my favorite conceptual matchups in the concepts of TGIF versus Capcom being Steve Urkel yep. versus Dr. Wily. Oh, that's, that's it, yeah, I can see that. All right. It measures up something fierce. If anything, the only thing that's separating them is, is time because you think about it, Dr. Wiley and Steve Urkel had limitless funding because mm-hmm. no one knew who was paying for all of Urkel's stuff. Who was funding had, Urkel? Follow the money. Uh, follow the follow money. The money. <laughs> follow the money. Who was funding Wiley? Also, follow the money. Um, you also had the fact that they were geniuses, geniuses beyond their like their time. Because, yeah, Wiley had Dr. Light. But beyond Dr. Light, it was pretty much Dr. Wiley. Mm-hmm. They were the pinnacles of science in their era. And I would say in the world of family matters, Steve Urk was pretty much the pinnacle of knowledge there, too, for mm. the scope of the stuff he was yeah, doing. Because you say might it. say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the guy, he developed a time machine. He developed a machine that altered his actual DNA so he could become multiple different people. All with different skill sets, personalities, voices, and traits. He crafted... He he just could do. He built like nano machines. He built a shrinking ray. The guy could do anything. Mm. Steve Urkel could do whatever the plot needed him to do. Literally, um, I could easily see him being a decent counter. He had Urkelbot. There we go. He had Urkelbot, yeah, 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 and there was another pack. robot too. Yeah, jetpack. He, je- yeah, he had a jetpack. There was a second bot that he made too, in addition to Urkelbot. So it's like rock and roll. He had Urkelbot and like Myrabot. It's like. He had it all set up. Imagine a world where Urkel was actually existent in the same time frame as Daimler, as Dr. Wily, mm. and he had to build robots to stop Dr. Wily, and it was Urkelbot and Myrabot versus Wily's eight robots. It would make total and absolute sense. I'm loving it. And Urkel would fight, too, because then he would just drink the freaking Bruce Lee potion and put on some kind of like weird <laughs> electrified brass knuckle and start bashing robots with his fists. It would just like, happen. He goes to those little those little uh, those little containers in Mega Man X where he gets the new skills and the little holographic version of Doctor White comes out. But uh-huh. it's not Doctor White. It's um it's uh, the cop. <laughs> oh, just Carl. <laughs> it's Carl. And he's like, "Go away, Steve. <laughs> Take the you, skill. Go away." <laughs> I'm glad you made it here, Urkel bots. Use this new ability to fight the evil Dr. Wily. You got Urkel Dance. And it's like this, <laughs> Urkel Dance. It's like a, it's like a dash, like a spin no, no, dash. The Urkel Dance, the Urkel Dance will be the special capsule. See, now, leading up to it, it would be still Urkel in the capsules, providing the different, oh, like, yeah, yeah. different upgrades to Urkel Bot. But if you find, you know, in the original Mega Man X games, one through three, if you got all the special <laughs> items and did a very weird thing in certain areas in the Sigma stage, you could find a special hidden capsule <laughs> that would usually give you a Street Fighter 2 move. In the case of this, it would be a capsule containing Carl Winslow <laughs> arguing with Steve Urkelbot, 
And the end result, for reasons unknown, because it would have to be, oh, you end good. up with the Urkel dance. That's and it great. would be fantastic. It would be a move that makes all the other machines feel so conflicted and confused. They just explode from con. They would oh. just explode. It's like on in the um, screen. it's like in a uh, uh, Michael Jackson's Moonraker in the arcade. Yes. Yeah, you Bam. do that one move, and they all dance and explode. <laughs> Bingo! Yeah. That'll be the Urkel it's like dance. A computer virus. And Urkel, I guess it wouldn't be called Mega Man. It'd be Urkelbot X or something. Yeah, Urkelbot, Urkelbot X, Urkelbot X. I'd play the living daylight side of it. Oh, but like, I mean, think about it. It totally does make sense, and he can easily develop attachments to support Urkelbot. He'd have like yeah. some variation of the Urkelmobile for like instead of like having like you know, oh, rush he's like a rush, items, like be, a rush dog, but instead of a rush dog. Well, I think it's like X didn't think it's like X didn't have an animal sidekick, so or sorry, X didn't have an animal sidekick, so it would be just, it would like an actual physical tool, like some variation of like a a hyper powered Urkel mobile, yeah, cheese. that could just like just cheese. rocket across and smash through barriers. Why was he always asking? Probably for Probably only cheese? usable in certain stages. Hmm? Why was he always asking for cheese? He's not. Like, like, like what? Well, cheese would be the e, that'd be the e tanks. It's like, like he did he run the out? Sub tank would did be he like eat all of his cheese. No, the cheese would be the sub tanks. So the sub tanks would be shaped like blocks of cheese. I'm having like a crisis here, and you're like, no, no, there are there are no, tanks no. of cheese. <laughs> the cheese and sub tanks are cheese blocks. <laughs> it totally makes sense. It, it would all mesh. Oh like my God. Steve Urkel would be a perfect counterpart to Doctor Wiley. And he'd be more hands-on than Doctor Light. Yes, yes, no doubt in my mind. They would be. They would fit together so freaking well. I'd wow. watch that show, man. I'd play that game. If if Family Matters had somehow like changed with the changed with the times, right, and, and like kind of reinvented itself and kept going, do you think there would be a crossover? There could be. Like, uh, it would games? take a lot. It would take a lot. It would, it would most likely also involve Capcom wanting to do something more they, so than oh, come on. you know Miller Boykin Productions. Well, we're going to start an online petition for everybody, um, and you can sign it at rhythmandpixels.com slash slash <laughs> Save Family Matters, the video game. Forward. <laughs> Crossover with Capcom <laughs> and Mega Man. That'd be good. Please, please make it. That's a T-shirt. Holy moly, that's a T-shirt. All right. Um, all right. So we are moving on to this next track from Marvel vs. Capcom 2. This is the Clock Tower stage, and this is arranged and performed by the J Music Pocket Band. Let's go. This, this is really good.
just love that. I just love the yeah. Yeah, that was the um, staff roll, a live jazz cover. Um, no, I'm sorry. That was the Clock Tower stage. Clock Tower. <laughs> a live jazz cover from J Music Pocket Band, um, performed and arranged by. And that was from Marvel vs. Capcom 2. And yeah, it was like so fast and so funky. I really loved I loved everything about that track. And I um, did too. Like it's honestly yeah. that is one of my two liked tracks from Marvel Capcom 2. Mm-hmm. That one and then there was the one that played when you were in front of that clown face. I don't even know what that was supposed to be, like a circus or something. Yeah, a circus. But, There's some weird stages in this game. But yeah, the music is all this weird jazzy, like kind of weird, like cheesy jazzy stuff. I remember at the time, people were like, what the hell is this junk? <laughs> and know. then, over as time passed, it, it grew on everybody. Like it's, It worked. But uh, at the time, it was very bonkers. Yeah, very different. Um, but still, the game is the game is still played today. Uh, oh, yeah, it's still great. Yeah. Um, all right, so for this game, I took uh, Strider, you know, a uh, futuristic cybernetic ninja from Strider, the future. Strider, hear you. And what other martial artists, master, do we know? From this, from the series of TGI, Steve Urkel, uh, <laughs> Steve about, uh, Cody from uh, Step by Step. Uh, oh, from Cody Step, Lambert, Step by Step. Yeah, and I'm so I'm Cody... here, here to propose that Strider and Cody are the same person. Cody travels into the future using the Urkel um, technology and becomes Strider. Mm. Yeah, he he models he he basically wires the car Cody's car or it's Cody's bike. Yeah, to travel into the future. And doesn't Strider here? You also drive a bike. Yes, he does. That's right. He has like a motorcycle. With the, a, the plot thickens and like cyber, cybernetic like wolves or dogs or something that follow him around. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that so has anything the, to do with the show, but <laughs> well, what we do know about Step by Step for um, Cody Lambert from folks in the know is that he he was the cousin of the Lamberts, most particularly the the father's side of the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, he lived in the family's garage. And he was kind of the the comic like surfer dude, duh relief on the show. But he was also very proficient in the martial arts. Yeah, yeah, he was in a bunch of like B movie um, martial arts move actor was in martial arts movies um, of the of the time. So, but even in the show, they had that one episode where they let him flex it. But it was an episode where uh, the daughter, one of the daughters, was at a bar. And some people were kind of hitting on her in a way that was a little bit on the too aggressive side. And Cody and the dad stepped in and had to get like a big bar fight against all yeah. the guys. And it was like, whoa, they're throwing in. And that's when I actually learned that he actually had that background. It was like, that was just like an excuse for them to flaunt it a little. <laughs> oh, man, when I'm, pro- when I'm promoting the episode. I'm going to post that video of uh, Family Matters. No, no. Oh, no. No, never mind. It's I was I think it was Family Matters. But I'm thinking of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And they cut Guile's music. To when Uncle Phil starts playing pool. <laughs> oh, that was a, that was a good episode. I, I, I was thinking too. I was thinking the pool hall in the same the same place. So to get him out of trouble, he plays pool and, and beats <laughs> the pool sharks. But they play. That Giles was a great thing. episode because he gets the butler to be like he's like bring me Lucille. Lucille, yeah, that's the name of it. He named his stick. All right. For more information on the bonus round, go to rhythmandpixels.com. We'll have links to these artists, uh, band camps, and sound clouds, and really uh, the. Both of these artists have have a, like some really 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 good uh, band camps that you can check out, and they have a lot of music to to, to look up. And there's a lot. And of- I totally just remembered. Mm-hmm. Steve Urkel also created a cloning device. Oh, that's see, it, it's just ready. He should have had a video game by now. It's, it's up. <laughs> He's done everything. I swear.
All right, thanks for joining us on episode 26-9 of Rhythm and Pixels, our TGIF versus Capcom. We finally made it happen. Yeah. It was just a good dialogue. Like, honestly, it's one of those where, like, I'm sure someone could be listening to this and being like, they could have gone further. They could have gone deeper on this topic. Actual full blown. I don't. I don't think so. We've had too many. We've had too many normal episodes. We've had to. We had to have a weird one. I just. I love the concept. It just. It felt nostalgic and fun. And I honestly wouldn't even mind hearing other people like eventually be like, "What about these characters? What these characters?" Because to me. These are some of the best topics we do come up with. They're hard to decide on. Like it usually ends up coming as a, in a stroke of like weird luck. Like, wait a minute, that's perfect. Then they got to write it down because if I don't, I'll forget it in an hour. And then it's like now the imagination runs wild, and then we have to have wacky dialogues like Steve Urkel versus Doctor Wily and why Cody Lambert's stronger than freaking Strider, or they're the same person rather. But it was, it's uh, just—it was bound to happen. <laughs> it's just. It's like it's just, it's just so much fun to have these dialogues, and it's cool to have other people jump in on it too. I'm like, hey, you guys, you forgot about this character. What about the mom from Getting By? She'd make a great companion. <laughs> Wait, and then there's Maud. No, that's a different show. Um, I wonder if Maud, I don't think Maud. Uh, Maud was well like back yeah, in the seventies. Yeah, Maud was in the seventies. It's just that's on it's on this Plex server that I, I have access to, and every time I, walk, I I scroll past it, I see Maud, and I can't help but think of the theme song. And I oh, because a great theme song is so catchy. It's, it's weirdly catchy. Um, anyway, so thanks for thanks for listening to this this whole episode. We do do appreciate it. Oh, and hopefully you got a few good chuckles out of it. Got your nostalgia bean running. And for those out of the states, hopefully you were like, well, I actually want to look at a little bit more of what this whole TGIF thing maybe, was now. Maybe um, next week is twenty six ten. This is the end of season twenty six. And oh it's going to be God. a live-streamed episode, so it's going to be a lot of goofiness. It is all about the wintry mix. Apparently, every time Ian and Purnell go to record, we get a crap ton of snow outside. I don't know how that's been happening. Um, every Wait, did, did we have snow on the ground for the last episode, yeah, too? Yeah, definitely. Oh. Yeah, just every time. Every time we record, it happens. Um, and well, that recording will thing. actually happen. To, if you're listening to this episode, the day it comes out, it's happening tomorrow. So if you are a member of our Patreon Get, you can get in on it. You can hang out with us and crack jokes with us and, and listen to the show and watch us goof off. Winter Blitz episode. Winter It'll be Blitz. happening. Yeah. Um, and if you would like to know more about our episode and... Um, wait, what do I usually do? Hold on. I, I got to tell you, man. I'm tired from shoveling snow. <laughs> I understand. It, it, it kills you, especially this one because the snow was heavier yeah. and there was a whole sheet of ice I just could not get up off the ground. Oh, it was rough. It's wore me out anyway if you'd like to talk to us about how tired i am if you'd like to send us a, a track suggestion or a topic suggestion or if you know a band or if you're a part of a band that does game music or game music covers we would love to hear from you so send us an email rhythm and pixels at hotmail.com and for more information about our show a full track listing from this episode and access to all of our episodes starting from episode one it's all there go to the website rhythmandpixels.com and the the website's been updated recently. I'm really proud of how it looks. It looks, I mean, it looks it looks way better than it ever had before. So, um, if you haven't been to the website recently, go there, check it out. Um, just just browse around. It, I, I think it looks pretty sharp. I'm proud of it. I spent some time on it. I hope you like it. It looks good. Thank you. Thanks, Pernell. I'm not fishing for compliments, but thank you. <laughs> but it still looks good. <laughs> um, you can also we also have a 
uh, Rhythm and Pixels Radio, which is a 24-7, 8-bit and 16-bit music radio station that plays nonstop. It sounds good! It's great. It's on... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I also spent a lot of time on that. It's on... Uh, you can go to YouTube.com slash Rhythm and Pixels, and it's also on Twitch.tv slash Rhythm and Pixels. It's on both places. Unless... Pernell is streaming Robbie Ribby or something, then it probably will cut out of it. I don't know how that works if you if you use the same stream. But anyway, if Rhythm and Pixels on Twitch and on YouTube is where you can find that. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. It's Rhythm and Pixels, all one word. And if you'd like to support the show, um, we have t-shirts available um, uh, that are video game music related and podcast related. They're kind of cool, if I do say so myself. They are at Rhythm They're and Pixels. They're good! They're good. <laughs> <laughs> they're at rhythmandpixels.com slash merch and that's also linked on the website there which is a great looking website I have to say and <laughs> and um, <laughs> if you'd like to support the show in other ways go to patreon.com slash rhythmandpixels um, there you get access to a, a monthly live stream episode you get access to weekly prequel episodes of me and Pernell chatting about games and life and other stuff and um, you can also get little bonuses on the radio stations like shout outs and even putting your own shout out in rotation on the radio show. And at the end of every episode, we'd like to thank our uh, top tier members, Frankly Zappa, Mike Myers, a new Patreon member, Vashin8060. Welcome. <laughs> Good job, Rob. No, I was like, you're like, I'm like, did I miss something? No, it's right. good, bro. <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> sounds good. That uh, Nick Walker, Ed Wilson of the VG Embassy, Matt's Hulkvist, Michael Jannings, <laughs> Davey Cakes, Justin Bieber from XVGM Radio. Oh, Christ, you are tired. Sonic Medley, Taco, Harold Howard, Dave Taylor, Reinhardt Selkova, Andreas Milberg, Dan Lafton, Sleepy S'more, Steve Miller, <laughs> The Autistic Gamer 89, Cameron Worma, Christopher Sandstrom. Bobby Orson from One Up Fark. <laughs> oh my God, go to bed. Uh, He's Wicked, like Wicked Sephiroth, Carlos, Kung Fu, Carlos. That was an unintentional. Oh, mercy. I was like, I'm going to nail this last one. <laughs> Carlos, Kung Fu Carlito from the Heroes 3 podcast. Michael Bridgewater from the Forever Sound version VGM podcast. And Brian Pitt, thank you all so much. Thanks for being awesome people and our apologies. In Sounds days. good, Rob. <laughs> I can't lie anymore. <laughs> Stop. Um, anyway, oh, thank, my God. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I just, it just took a lot out of me today. But thank you all so much for supporting our show, for everything that um, everything that you're doing. If there's more that we could do, um, I, would li- I would like to know. Like if um, Maybe if you'd like to see the show in other locations, other channels. If we're not on a podcast um, uh, platform, that you like and you would like for us to be there I would like to get us there so that you can get to us faster or if there's other things that we could be doing other t-shirts or or merchandise or things that you would like to see um, I like and now that I get like now that I'm getting good like OBS I can actually record actual game footage that yeah. doesn't suck so right. I would love to see some Pernell playthroughs or like Pernell how to's or just some Pernell fun games on, on our YouTube station you can send me the, the footage and I'll just I'll just cut it I could honestly, I actually will likely start doing that, but I've been wanting, hoping that people had some ideas like maybe this game or something. Because I thought about, like, for example, just like a nostalgia trip, record playing through Kid Chameleon, because that was the first game I ever recorded myself playing through back in the day. I would love to see uh, something like expert Kid Chameleon action. 
Or um, let's not go nuts here. Yeah. I haven't played that game in like twenty years, but Pro- I put at a professional level twenty years ago. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening to the show. Um, we'll see you next week for our special live Patreon episode of the Wintry Blitz. We're calling it Winter Blitz, which sounds more like a fun dessert treat for after dinner. Goodness, but hey, if someone submits a track saying it reminds me of my favorite Dairy Queen Blizzard. Hey. I like it that. It counts. I'll take that. So, well, thanks for listening to the show. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. And remember, imagination, it is not just something you see on TV getting reference for your children to flex every once in a while with Dora the Explorer or whatever. Imagination is something that makes the mundane less mundane. It makes it actually Dane. Um, it's something that it can propel a mon, a very bland setting into something very spectacular. In fact, I think imagination is a large part of what makes some of our topics so much fun to try to do because we get a little ridiculous and silly coming up with just things that in a serious setting would just kind of get panned and laughed out the door. Fortunately, we don't care about that, so we get ridiculous and imaginative. It just makes everything more enjoyable, and it allows you to come up with some stuff well outside the box that is both entertaining and sometimes even eye-opening and uplifting. So work your imagination more. Don't just take things at face value. Put it to work for you. Let your mind soar, baby. (laughs) 